Wicked Occult Link. We have with us tonight expert William Ramsey Investigates. William Ramsey Investigates over there, YouTube.com, WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com, as well as just William Ramsey over there at YouTube. Now listen, in small towns as well as cities across the U.S., Canada, and other countries, over 200 to 300 young men so far are either abducted or go missing after drinking and are found dead in water in areas searched before, anywhere from about a few days to several weeks later. My name is Joe from the Carolinas. Welcome to my YouTube channel. Welcome to the Ab Paranormal Podcast, where we confront the normal, the paranormal, and yeah, the abnormal with reason, logic, and common sense. And like I said, tonight we're going to get into the really abnormal that is not discussed in the lamestream media. I need to let you know with a disclaimer that we're not going to be using profanity tonight. We have less than an hour, so we're going to jump right into it. The topics we discuss are going to be graphic, and listener discretion is advised, particularly if you have young kids in the room. And uh, so as we discuss these crimes, I want to let you know that we are doing this out of respect for the victims and their families because the truth deserves to be uncovered. And we need to keep ourselves as a community safe. Attorney, author, and researcher William Ramsey is a graduate of the University of California, Berkeley, with a degree in history. Mr. Ramsey also has a JD and is a member of the State Bar of California. William Ramsey is the author of Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order, something we talk about on this channel, Abomination, Devil Worship and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders, Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity, as well as Aleister Crowley, A Visual Study. And then he's also produced and directed three documentaries, the most recent being The Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, abducting, torturing, and murdering college-age men in the U.S. and U.K. If you would like links to any of those particular uh, materials that uh, William Ramsey has produced, please do visit the description line down below. I've lined it all out for you nice and easy. Just go ahead and click away. William Ramsey, welcome to the broadcast. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me, Joe. It's great to be here. So – uh, let's just jump right into it. How many at this moment, how many dead men do you think are in the waterways of the world right now waiting to be found? I think conservatively there have been 150 such cases, and there's probably a larger amount that have just disappeared and have never been found. But uh, it definitely, since these cases have been studied for the last 20 to 25 years, there are many of these same cases with the exact MO, MO just like you talked about the, in the introduction. Out at night, probably drinking, maybe not, disappeared, found later in water, two, three weeks later, sometimes 40 days later. It's just absolutely astounding to me because I, I watched your doc documentary several times. And for folks that are brand new to this, could, could you just give them a brief overview? Yes. What's known as the Smiley Face Killers is a series of disappearances that have happened uh, in the United States, but also in the UK and all over the world. But it got its name from this uh, typically spray-painted smiley face that's associated with the crimes. It's either spray-painted in an area where the uh, investigators think the body or the person who was abducted went into the water, not where they were found. And so it, this this series of crimes has been termed and labeled the smiley face killers. Not all of these crimes have a smiley face associated with them. And it got its name from really three investigators who wrote a great book, I think the most important book on the subject, which is called Case Studies in Forensic Drownings. They were Gilbertson and then Gannon and Duarte were two New York police officers. And they noticed this pattern, this pattern of young men disappearing uh, and being missing for a long period of time and being found in water. And that's really the, how the case started. The, there was one young man some people referred to as Victim Zero. His name was McNeil out of New York City. He was a, a college student, I believe, at Fordham. And he was uh, found some, I think, 1997. Uh, and he was found in a wastewater facility. But that was really how these, the, one of the early cases that people have noticed 
that is associated with what's known as the smiley face killers. Thank you so much. I mean, we, of course, have many different kinds of people tuning into the live stream here as well as on the archive. And I've I've heard a lot of skeptics um, that that are very biased skeptics say, well, you know, these these people are obviously drunk. They're impaired. Um, Maybe they had a little too much or maybe they're suicides. I mean, you know, these listen, William, these can't be suicides because on many of these cases, don't we have evidence uh, on their actual bodies that there were restraints used? Yes, yes. Many of the cases, Hart out of Providence, Rhode Island, McNeil, uh, going back to his case, when his autopsy was discovered, uncovered by the family 10 years after his body was found, they discovered that the whole upper part of his body had been blowtorched as if he had been restrained in a chair and he had, had been hit in the head with a hammer or some type of hard object. So the autopsy did not fit in with an accidental drowning or a suicide. And it's very difficult to commit suicide in water. Typically, your body will naturally uh, come up for air. It's, it's a very rare form of suicide without weighing yourself down. Um, and none of these bodies have had, I mean, there's been a few that have been weighed down, but none of the men, and, and I think in the documentary, I tried to show conclusively that many of the young men were not impaired at all. And so this theory or the notion that they're all drunk, I believe, is totally and completely false. And I think I show through CCTV video that some of them are walking upright, whether it's Garcia out of San Jose, uh, out of Boston, Massachusetts, Kelleher, Hurley, all of these cases out of Boston and many other places that they are ambulatory. And there's evidence in many, many recent cases, Dakota James out of Pittsburgh, where the mother said that he didn't even drink. So... And he was seen walking upright and texting on a phone, um, which I would think that if you were heavily inebriated, um, it would be very hard to do to walk and text at the same time. That was on a CCTV camera. And that's a fairly recent case within the last couple of years was Dakota James out of Pittsburgh. So I believe those two points that you make, I think, um, if you look at all the facts and associate with all these cases, that they are false. Yeah, and the the CCTV footage that you show in your documentary is it, it's right there, folks. I mean, it's blatantly obvious. And you, there's also another case that you showed where uh, one of the one of the victims was walking down the sidewalk, and there was a car that went by. And then when they noticed that the person was, uh, I guess, you know, kind of stumbling a little bit, that you see the car back up down a one way or turn around and then go right back down a one way street. And that's the last image of this this young man alive. Yeah, his name was Anthony Urena. That was out of the uh-huh. upper part of Manhattan. And he clearly was one of the inebriated ones. But uh, there is CCTV footage of a car. I don't know if it was ever traced or anything. But the, the giveaway that he was abducted and um, dumped in the Hudson River is that he was found on the opposite side, the full western side of Manhattan Island, actually in, in Hoboken, New Jersey. So he would have had to have stumbled all the way across Manhattan to fall in the water. And he was found, I believe his, if I remember correctly, his uncle said he was found face down in three feet of water. So, uh, you know, that's another one that I believe was another person met with foul play. I mean, there's just so many coincidences with, uh, and I have the book here, by the way, that you had referenced, uh, Case Studies and Drowning Forensics by Gannon and Gilbertson. I've been taking a look at that. And just it's just absolutely eerie. And folks out there that have a high standard for needing evidence, look no further, honestly. Um, it, they, they lay it out. They've got toxicology reports in their photo. Un, unfortunately, we need photographs of the body now, you know, to prove that this isn't just a tall tale or a myth or a story. Well, uh, William Ramsey lays it out for you in his documentary. Uh, there are some some photographs of bodies in water, in case, you know, in case you all need proof of that. William, one thing, uh, another, I guess you could say, critique that I've come across in reviewing many of the interviews or people talking about this phenomenon is they say, well, it's it's already been solved because it's due to a serial killer and the serial killer was picked up. Well, there's no evidence for that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like somebody just says, oh, that's been debunked. Well, where's the proof of that? Um, right. So, I, I, you know, there, there's a lot of false information spreading around about these cases. There was actually an FBI uh, writing that they discounted the notion of, a, of what's known as the smiley face killers and attributed 
these deaths to drowning. I, I think I conclusively showed that they're not drownings in my documentary. It's substantial more. They, granted, they are found in water, but I think there's uh, explanations that can explain what this this phenomenon really is. Not not. It's very rare for people to go just disappear out of a bar and go for a swim in all their clothes. You know, it's it's very strange that these guys in the middle of the night. Right. It's very odd. Like compelled to go jump in water. I think that it happens once in a while. I do believe there's accidental drownings, but I believe that these cases are made to look as if they're accidental drownings and not misadventure. And the the concept of water, especially water that flows, you know, that basically removes a lot of any potential evidence that would be on that body that even a even a skilled forensic pathologist would really need to take extra time to look into, right? I agree. Water is definitely a an uh, something that will destroy evidence. It doesn't destroy all evidence, but I do believe that people being found in water is to trick authorities into believing that these people were found by misadventure. And, you know, one of the remarkable things I think I show in my documentary is that a lot of these cases are people, or Garcia, for example, Wilkins out of Bristol, UK, they're found in water that has been previously searched. Kelleher, for example, this is and yep. a lot of that water. It's like a reservoir. It's very clear. It's not moving. The St. Charles is by a, you know, a dam. Uh, it's a lock system actually over there where a lot of bodies are found. So um, it's it's remarkable that you know these these occurrences are happening where people. Dakota James is another example. I show in the documentary that the police looked at the island near where he was found in the river that weekend, and he showed up on a Monday morning. So it sounds like his body was put in the water. On Sunday night, and and you know, I have I have information that you know he was he looked his body he was missing for forty days, but his body was not deceased for forty days. That's another thing that really jumped out to me. It's it's like almost all of these folks, or if not all of them, that that you've documented and others, they they are all found. Those that are found are found in areas that are searched before. That's like one of these kind of profile points, if you will of this bizarre kind of cold case issue. Yes. Now, that's a good point. I mean, it really is a, a factual point in a lot of these cases where there's search. I mean, Shane Montgomery outside of Philadelphia is in a very, his body was found in four feet of water that was searched and walked through by police. And then it magically appeared. Mm-hmm. Get this. They were able to find his car keys, but not him. So they're that's able to incredible. Find, yeah, it's an incredible. Shane Montgomery case is a case study of this phenomenon that should be studied by anyone who's curious about how this is occurring because he was found in four feet of water in a place that previously searched. And the same thing with Tommy Booth, who was found in the behind of a place again outside of Philadelphia where he had been previously searched. And it's another example of, and that was a case that was studied by Gilbertson and Gannon. And they said he hadn't been dead, dead more than 48 hours and he was missing for eight days. So, why so what happened to right, him? Right, exactly. <laughs> Right. Right. Unbelievable. unbelievable. Uh, So the the Patrick McNeil case, um, a couple of the things, you know, that kind of stood out to me about that that folks out there might be interested in in looking into your material to learn more about what was up with that case, uh, case zero. I mean, the, the famed forensic pathologist that most of us notice and see on TV that has done all these famous cold case files, um, forensic pathologist Cyril Wecht, right? I mean, it doesn't sound like a drunken drowning to me if, like you said, William, the guy was had burn marks all over his body. Right. Well, and he, I mean, he was uh, referenced in the book, Case Studies in Forensic Drowning, saying this guy had been blowtorched. So that was the proof from a legit source. And he was actually involved, supposedly involved in the Dakota James uh, death outside of Pittsburgh. He, uh, Cyril Weck, lives in the Pittsburgh area. But, you know, this is a very talented... Uh, multi-skilled guy. I think he has a law degree and a medical degree. But uh, so Cyril Weck was involved in that case. In that case, the McNeil case, according to Gannon and Gilbertson, McNeil left a bar. He was throwing up. He's acting like he got drugged with something. Now, GHB is a common denominator, another factual point in all these cases. But he looked like, and according to Gannon and Gilbertson, there was a car that was following McNeil. And when McNeil would stop to throw up, the car would stop. And McNeil would keep walking and the car would follow McNeil. And that was the last time he was ever seen. So They were just hovering like vultures. Just like the Urena case that we talked about earlier. It's the same kind of phenomenon. Somebody's watching, you know.
And I, some... and I talk about it in ULO, the latter part of the of the documentary, that these CCTV shows, in the one case, the one possible perp that I include in the documentary, CCTV shows somebody hovering around another of these victims, right? Right. And and not no further follow up is done by law enforcement. I mean, it's it's left to citizen professionals, so to speak, yes. to to ask the questions. You know, that's a great point. And that's the whole that whole Stephen Port case that I was referencing. It was the mm-hmm. family of one of the victims who found the found Port. It wasn't the cops. And there was a huge inquest. And the results of that inquest, uh, he was found last year. I think it was 2017 or 2016. They haven't even gone through the inquest as kind of like a procedure in England where they go back and make a public uh, statement about the whole case. And there's a huge inquest. And all these cops are getting in trouble because they missed all the signs of Port being a serial killer, a GHB-related serial killer. So, yeah, it's a, that case is still happening. It's remarkable. It's and GHB for folks that that are are new to it is the date rape drug. Correct. You know, it, it right. It wipes memory and kind of makes people, uh, you know, a little, a little out of out of out sorts. Of it so and to suggestible speak. as well. You know, let's and go. suggestible. Yeah. So, do you know? I, I just kind of think about these kinds of things because uh, you know the kinds of uh, research that I do. I look into Freedom of Information Act requests and things like that. Do you know if there's ever been a link between intelligence agencies and these sorts of operations within the U.S. and some of these disappearances? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't. I talked okay. to an ex-FBI guy and you can listen to that interview on YouTube channel. I have a lot of smiley face killer interviews of a bunch of different researchers on my YouTube channel. One of them was a guy named by the name of D'Souza. And he says the authorities are, well, I don't want to speak for him, but you know, yeah. not verbatim, but generally, you know, I think he said that the authorities know they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to risk money, you know, involved in these colleges and scare people away from sending their kids to colleges in Boston or New York. And that, you know that there's an occult nature to some of these these criminal acts that yeah it's it's it, yeah it, it, i i don't i don't i never saw anything in my research that brought up an overt intelligence agency involvement in any of these okay i mean part of me um you know just kind of speculates and wonders how high up does this whole thing go right you well, know? that's a good question yeah i <laughs> you know um, yeah it's a great question yeah especially when we're doing public interviews you know we just <laughs> yeah well yeah it's quite good questions don't yeah yeah well, yeah, yeah. Don't and a lot of I'll... Yeah. i mean look, <laughs> we can't answer look them, here's the know? thing this is a question i would ask you and your listeners is why hasn't this whole phenomenon been made public for the last 20 years if there's 150 200 why isn't that commonly known that this could happen to a young man at night now women commonly know that their drinks can be drugged. There was a case here in Los Angeles. They caught some guy drugging a girl at a very nice bar in Santa Monica. So the women know to watch their drinks or watch out for sketchy people or even being followed, right? Even being uh, followed. So why don't men do that? And why isn't that common knowledge? In the, in the case studies in forensic drownings, there was a they talked about not just the victims, people who died, but there was a potential victim. I think it was in La Crosse, Wisconsin, where he said a dude in a truck was following him, you know? And he reported it. Yeah. So there's, you know, and that there's, there's elements and I, there's other people who have shared their stories, people who are still alive of creepy people walking up to him, asking him questions, asking him about their, you know, what their interests were and things like that, as if they were being interrogated as a potential victim, you know? And one of the interesting things about these cases, it's not like the silence of the lamb where, Buffalo Bill abducts the senator's daughter, right? And that's really right. what sense. So one of the interesting things about all these cases is that there isn't this this connected, powerful victim. You know, that's missing. Yeah. That's missing, and that's an interesting thing all in a, of itself. So there's one. There's two cases. One of them actually happened uh, down here in the in the southeast by me in the Carolinas. It's, it was actually in Georgia recently. You know that CDC epidemiologist yes. Timothy Cunningham. Yeah, very well. I gotta say, I put out a video saying you know that that he was connected with some uh, I guess pe- missing four one one phenomenon, and then. A lot of people started saying no, the drownings and missing four one one aren't connected, and then I and then it kind of clicked. 
I picked up this case studies and I was looking at some of your videos. I'm like, this guy Cunningham had three crystals in his pocket, left all this stuff back at his house, walks out in the middle of the day after getting, I guess he got turned down, a job turned down at the CDC or something. And he disappears for what, a month? A month and found in a very remote part of a river, right? Right. So Shallow, where it had been searched before. I think he was found by two fishermen. Yeah, and then there was another one, Barrington Wisenant out of Florida. You know, that was an attorney who got found in water, uh, supposedly committed suicide and went and jumped in the ocean. Do you remember that one? No, Barrington I don't. Barrington Wisenant, yeah, look up his name. So, yeah, this, there's... Yeah, I mean, this this it, is incredible. Yeah, it's incredible, man. When you Let really start you the, putting the cases together, it'll draw, jaw dropper. When you start putting the cases together and look at all the cases, I mean, it's a it's a it's incredible. Yeah, I I have to say one of the most bizarre cases that I've heard you speak about and that I've read about was Nate Kapfer. Yeah, who was frozen? The guy was frozen solid when they found his his body. Right. So that was How another, many of the, yeah, that was one. Yeah. I think that was La Crosse, Wisconsin as well. He was found in the same kind of offshoot of the river there, which I can't remember. But yeah, that was, uh, he was found frozen. His arm was up in the air and that was the information that Gannon and Gilbertson had. So why was, why is this guy frozen? You know? Yeah. How many of these victims do you know were found frozen like that? Any question. idea? Um, there were a few and mostly the, the only one that I know that was found frozen that looks totally intentional was Kaffer. There were some other coal. There was a couple other cases out of Maine where a guy was found in a river, but it was frozen over. Um, so it wasn't, didn't look like he was kept somewhere and frozen, but right. um, that's the only one that of all the cases that I studied, you know, I, there's been a lot of cases since the case studies in forensic drownings was published. There's a lot of cases and there's actually like 30 or 40 cases since I published my documentary in October of 2017. So it's still happening. And so uh, I don't think that there's a definitive study of all of the cases that's published. I mean, even my book, I had to decide, I mean, even my documentary, I had to excise things. It's still too long. My documentary is three and a half hours long because I wanted to show the totality of this phenomenon. But there's still other things happening. And Jim Smith was the chief researcher um, who's really done a superb job following these cases he was the chief researcher for my documentary, and he's actually saw, and I've seen it happen myself, but he's actually watched 20, 10 to 20 men who have been abducted, and he says they're going to show up in the river, and then they show up in the river. That's so, incredible. It's incredible. And the way that I got started with the case was kind of, I was interested in the smiley face, the occult nature of the smiley face that's associated with it, because I was studying from, I was researching my book. Children of the Beast, and all these guys use the smiley face, all these occultists, uh, uh, Alan Moore and these other ones. And so I was like, well, what's going on with the smiley face killers? And so I was researching a case out of Columbus, Ohio, by the name of Joey Labute, and he mm -hmm. disappeared from a bar. And it was covered in detail by the True Crime prod podcast, True Crime Garage. You've covered a few of the cases that I covered, but Joey Labute was it. And I said, if that guy shows up in water, I'm going to freak out. 19 days later, sure enough, he showed up in water in the uh, Skiota River can't pronounce that that river very well but uh, <laughs> it's, uh anyway so that that's another tragedy another young life uh, destroyed and yeah so that's really how this process for me started was like hey man something's going on right the, the you, you and the thing is that you know when it comes to the idea of a serial killer i mean folks out there that research this kind of stuff and and keep up with these kinds of things like serial killers tend to be uh sort of geographically focused G serial killers typically don't go on a worldwide scale i mean we're we're seeing patterns of this william even in places like the uk and australia yes. right yes australia sydney australia they just put out an article it was remarkable june 26 very recently Talking about all the deaths in Sydney Harbor, they, they they the cops in Sydney Harbor are going through all the deaths, and I think there was a public statement by the police like we really made a mistake, and a lot of those were associated with gay men, and so Sydney Harbor, the UK is Bristol and Manchester, um, all over there was a guy named Sims they found in the ocean recently who walked out of St Andrews Golf Course up in Scotland. I mean, it's all over. I covered a case in Thailand that fits the profile. In um, Thailand? Yeah. There was one in Thailand. Uh, his name, 
I can't remember his name, but it was the same thing. He thought he'd been drugged. The guys were following him with masks, uh, and he was found in the water like two weeks later. So that was being followed with masks. Yeah, really crazy. And like he he was sending texts explaining what was happening to him. So um, there's a lot in France. There was a case, a guy from the UK who was in Hamburg. Um, he was found in water recently. There was another one in Austria. So it's a worldwide phenomenon. I covered a case in Spain of an American in Spain. So, yeah, it's really, it's really an incredible phenomenon. It's probably one of the most incredible true crime stories that nobody's ever heard. No doubt about it. You know, I'm wondering, you'd mentioned that there was, that some of the victims were gay. And, and I know that in watching your documentary and some of the, the research that you've done, uh, that was confirmed. I mean, you've got evidence right there showing like a lot of these places or some at least were gay bars. Is there like a split? You know, 50-50. It seems like there's, okay. a, there's a definitely a strong correlation between the victims. The more recent victims, many of them were on gay dating apps, whether it's Grindr or some of these other ones. And Port, who we talked about earlier, was using a wide variety of different dating apps under different pseudonyms, um, which is very telling. So um, mm-hmm. if we talk about Joey Labute in Columbus, he was on an app. They think he was on an app the night he disappeared. Also, Dakota James was uh, using dating apps, and it was probably texting something happening that night uh, that he disappeared. So that's a more common thing. But not all of them are... Um, are involved with with uh you know they don't they're not homosexuals so right. like hurley or some of these other guys i you know are not in that in that grouping at all i tell you it it, it just gets spookier and spookier I, I mean even some of the medical examiner reports on many of these cases will conflict with each other yeah. when they're re-examined yeah, I mean, it's there's something going. On. I would love to see all the autopsy report uh, reports as a researcher to see them and and really look at them, because oftentimes those are not made public. So there's a lot of information on these cases the police have, have that I think the public should know. You know, I think that it's important to know that these people are being abused, and you know, and a lot of that's not public. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff I don't know, but yeah, these these medical reports. You know, like it was the same thing that happened with the Chris Jenkins case in Minneapolis, Minnesota, is they actually got picked, the family, uh, the mother of Chris Jenkins, Jan Jenkins, wrote a book about her son's disappearance, abduction, and part of it, and this is an interesting case too, because one of the few cases where the police came out and switched their opinion of the case from accidental drowning to murder. So they actually, there's a video of him, of the chief of police, and Jan Jenkins sitting there. And he says, we're sorry we made a mistake. Because what happened is they got a file from the cop, the police, and they noticed that in their son's hand was a clump of hair that wasn't his. I think Whoa. That was yeah, so that was really, so that was another case, another parent who were like, like same with McNeil, like what's going on? Why didn't you guys talk about this? So um, that was a case that Gannon and Gilbertson covered in depth. But yeah, Chris Jenkins was... Uh, was another crazy case where they found other information from the police report. Mm. Do you think that this is getting more, I, I guess you could say more common because everybody's so connected now with the yes. internet and apps? Absolutely. I think that mm-hmm. I've said this in multiple interviews that these cases are connected with the rise of the internet. Right when McNeil died, you know, people are starting to use the internet in the nineties, you know, the mid nineties with greater, I mean, the, the internet really took off maybe, what, 1990? Maybe yeah. somewhere around there early. So there, there's the growth of these apps and communication. And I also believe that there's the growth in uh, travel as well, that these cases are show, associated with a lot of movement and people traveling from city to city. And uh, so it's really the rise of communication and travel to me is associated with these cases. Big picture, just macro-level view, what do you think's going on on a on a larger level? Why why are people doing this? What are they getting out of it? You think they're not financial crimes? I can tell you that. So I do believe uh-huh. that they're sexually related crimes, and there's a reason why they're all college age, is because they're in an environment where they're alone, they're out of high school, they're not living at home, and they're vulnerable in a lot of ways. They're naive. So I think that that's really why this whole victim pool is the same: young college age men. 
it's like fish in a barrel too on a college campus. Absolutely. And there's all the college mm-hmm. campuses all associated with so many of these cases. They're coming out of college campuses, you know, they're University of Minnesota, Boston. And that's another reason why there's a decent chance that these colleges do not want to, to spook the parents. They do not want to talk about this potential that their son could be endure the worst. And, you know, one of these common themes about this this cases where I studies is the parents are destroyed. They're done. It's yeah. a horrible experience. Whether you see Zach Marr out of Boston, that was a recent case, or Montgomery, Shane Montgomery, all these cases, it's just like tragedy after tragedy. And it's a shame for me that, you know, the authorities have not keyed into this at all. It's just, it's just, uh, it's, yeah. You know, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it makes me wonder, William, whether it's incompetence, ignorance, just purely ignorance, like, oh, I don't, I don't know what to look for, or maybe all of the above, and maybe some of them might be in on it? Perhaps. I mean, I think that it's you know? a whole mix of things. Some people have said that it's a lot easier to write off these cases as accidental and just take them off your log. You know, it's yeah. not a cold case. It's nothing. Um I think that the I think it's kind of a perfect crime to be honest with you. I mean, and they said that there was an early interview about the McNeil case where one of the detectives said this is a perfect crime, and so they're fool the, the criminals have figured out a way to subvert the police and trick people into thinking these are accidental drownings. That's my opinion. That's what mm-hmm. I think somebody has determined that, and that's why the internet. I believe, and my conclusions were after studying all of these cases for a year and a half is that this M.O. has been communicated through an underground, whether it's through the dark web, FetLife, one of these fetish sites, for people who are attracted to young men. That's that's my conclusion of all these cases. I got you. Do you know if um, – I, I know you had mentioned that some of the victims have been on uh, d- different dating apps. Do you know if there's any indications whether any of the victims were involved in actual occult activities or fetish or BDSM activities? That's a great question. I don't know. Of many of the victims you know, don't seem to be involved in the occult at all. Um, I okay. talk, I, you know, in my documentary, I talk about the occult because I believe some Absolutely. of the per- perpetrators are involved in the occult. But um, – as far as BDSM and that, I do believe some of these guys were experimenting. There was a case that Jim Smith knows very well out of Atlanta. A guy all the way from Perth, Australia. His name was Nas Rahimi. And he was bisexual and hanging out with a crew, a group of people who were in to fetish, real role-playing, really dark stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. he was another case that, you know... There's an, it's another story. I've got conflicting information. Jim's got, but this guy was supposedly found in a lake, and there's conflicting stories. That should tell you a lot. Conflicting, conflicting stories about what happened <laughs> to him. This is how you f- try to figure out the truth. What's the conflict? Exactly. But the and apparently he was beat to a pulp. He looked. Uh, some people said he looked like he got hit by a car. Why is that? So did he drown? How does a drowning person come come up beat to a pulp? So um, that's one case where. There's a BDSM. There's another case that I covered out of D.C., Arvind Sharma, who was a, a strange case. He was a Nepalese-American. He was all the way from Nepal. And he was going to a bar in down outside of D.C., and that bar, the sidebar, was a, a BDSM bar, too. And he was found upriver in the Anacostia River in D.C. So how did he end up upriver if he just wandered off? He disappeared, and his brother... And I have this in the documentary. His brother said he yeah. must have walked in on something they shouldn't have seen. You know, and I think that that's, he just probably didn't know it was coming. And, you know, the the perpetrator saw a victim, you know. I mean, to, to and, and that's not the only case that, that you've covered where the victim was found upriver, upstream of their disappearance point. No, there's a lot of those. There's a many yeah. of those cases. So why is that happening, you know? Why Physically, that cannot happen if they're fall into the river. You, you know, how far can you swim upstream, folks? Especially if you're unconscious or drugged. Right. So yeah. <laughs> you know? So there's a lot of conflicts, even in the theories that these people have, that I believe are false analyses of these cases. Is like, okay, so he's so drunk he drowned, but he's drunk enough to get to the river. Like something happened where he was so hammered that it just it fell upon him as he rocked into the water. 
or how did he get here? How did his, you know, clothes stay on or, you know, all this stuff that, you know, just wouldn't happen to a person who, you know, supposedly super drunk. It just some of this stuff just doesn't make sense. Right. It just couldn't make sense. We have a number of questions piling up in the various different chat rooms and everything. Are, are you game Fire for some away. questions? Let's do it. Yeah, okay. Always. All right. Let's Probably do it. Great. So and we'll just do these uh, sort of rapid fires. They're coming in here. Um, Jason Fitness Captain Esty says, are the disappearances possibly linked to covert military groups responsible for hundreds of underground bases in national parks? Any, there's, any... there's been a few cases that are associated with the military, and there's ex-military guys. There was a guy named James out of Philadelphia. There's some military guys, Corey McKeague. There's an attempted abduction at the uh, one of the military bases there, but it doesn't seem to be that overt that they're all military so okay. I, I would say no okay and uh bug out there has a few questions he wanted he wants to know kind of what got you interested in the killings and and inspired you to make the documentary um and we've we've kind of talked a little bit about the conclusions that you've come to personally over this but have you always been interested in this kind of thing i mean we mentioned in the bio you know you have a, a background in in law um has it always been kind of a whodunit Thing for you I think, or? I think also you know I was very comfortable with being in the alternative media in the 90s mm. you know I was very comfortable looking at other ideas and I've just kind of followed a trail from 9-11 to Aleister Crowley to the Satanism of the West Memphis Three which I believe is at the core of that case to mm-hmm. un- trying to understand Crowley's influence as a Christian upon the 20th century which led me to the Children of the Beast which when I was doing that like why is this smiley face everywhere why are these occultists using this smiley face how is it attached to Acid House? Why is it in The Watchmen? Who's the Joker? What does the comedian mean in The Watchmen? Why is the smiley face associated with these murders of young men? What's chaos magic? Why is this happening? So even when I was published, you know, researching Children of the Beast, which took me a long time, um, mm-hmm. this kept popping up. And that's when I started really following the case. And, you know, I, met, I was lucky to meet up with another guy who was going down the same road, Jim Smith. And, you know, Gilbertson again, and they, they kind of just, they haven't published anything since their last book. So I thought it was an important subject. I didn't know the conclusions I'd come to until mm. I really researched the case. I mean, I spent hundreds of hours. It's a very long documentary. And I actually emphasize the word document because I tried to document written things or things that parents had said about their loved ones, you know. And so that's why it's long. And so I, there's, I try not to leave a lot of speculation speculation until the end but i think my conclusions at the end prove all of the arc of the facts that i include in the early part of the documentary so that's how it started i felt like even you know i think that if somebody if somebody had done a job had had come to the conclusions that were i thought right i probably wouldn't have written any of my books or made any of my documentaries so there's a there's a significant amount of people who look into the smiley face killers and look at it as a paranormal problem, like it's a paranormal event that genies are, are transporting men to Alpha Centauri to be abducted by aliens and then replaced. I think that that's a great disservice to the inside. There's other people who've come to the conclusions that these are drownings, pure drownings. That's a mistake because the evidence does not show, the facts do not show that all of these are drowned. There's a significant point that aren't. So what's happening? And so that's why I did the documentary. You there? Hello. Hello. Yep, you're kind of fuzzy. Hello. You kind of dropped off. Just a second. There you go. Yeah. Much better. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. having some audio problems. Sounds they good. obviously don't want us talking. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I mean, so, that would probably be I wouldn't have written any of those books probably. I don't think the I don't think the mass media has covered it. There's been some decent investigations actually by uh oh god. It's uh Anderson Cooper did a, a, a series on it. There was a Coast to Coast story of 2010 about the Smiley Face Killers. There was Another guy who, uh, Rivera, Geraldo Rivera investigated. So these guys have been around. So there have been some insights, but I think that my conclusions are de- define, I think, appropriately what this phenomenon really is. 
I really like how you went about it in, in sort of a reasonable stepwise way. And I have to be honest, I mean, I, I've, I've heard you mention about, you know, the length of the documentary. It's what, about three and a half hours? Yeah, three, three hours, yeah. 23 minutes. I mean, I, I, I was riveted. I would have watched six and a half, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, great. You know, and, cool. Yeah. And, and f- folks, uh, if you want to watch this documentary that William Ramsey produced, I would highly recommend it. You know, he's using primary source material. And the link, like I said, is down below in the description. It's on Vimeo. And uh, it's, it's definitely worth a lot more than the $12 that you would pay for it. Um, so highly recommended. Next question is, um, although I'll probably purchase uh, one of uh, William's books, all of them look interesting, but which one should people start with? Well, the first book I wrote was Prophet of Evil. So that's available on my website, William Ramsey Investigates. That's really a biography about Aleister Crowley, that he thought of himself as the prophet of Satan, like literal devil-worshipping prophet of Satan, and a prophet of the New Age. And in that role, he he wanted to influenced the 20th century and i believe his ideas and his outlook influenced a wide variety of different people but primarily the people in the occultists behind the event of 9-11 so i would say that would be important but the, also the one about the west memphis three involves alistair crowley and the occult and that is actually still a case of great public dispute even to this day and i yeah, think damian eccles just got out of jail just got well he got out on 2011 there's a podcast that's covering it trying to exonerate these guys, there's a lot of people who think they're innocent. They're actually guilty at law. But I think a lot of the investigators either poo-pooed or they just didn't ignore, they did ignored all of the incredible amount of occultism involved in the event itself and the deaths that took place May 5th, 1993, or the connections of Damien Eccles to people like Johnny Depp and all these other celebrities who helped pay his way out. Uh, and, and raised 10 to $20 million to get the best lawyers to get him and his other uh, people who were found guilty out of jail. So um, I do think that that I'm, I'm very pleased with that book. And I think it's an important book about the West Memphis three. Uh, there is a, there's a question about the uh, West Memphis three from Jay and Jay wants to know if the groups behind the West Memphis three um, could be working with people behind the smiley face killers as perhaps a, a local team ready to help as needed. Um, he mentions that in the drowning forensics book, some bars were clearly involved that, that, that many of the search dogs got hit in those bars as if the captured or drugged kid spent time there or maybe was passed through and out the back doors to cars. Do you, do you have any insights on what that's there's a great, any that's sort a of superb yeah. question? So I commend you for that question. It looks, sounds like that person has investigated some of these cases, but um, oh, he's on it. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it's a tough question to answer. It's, it's a tough question to answer publicly. I really yeah, have I trouble know. answering that, but, but it's a fantastic question. If you want to send me an email to cold investigations, at gmail.com. Yeah, I mean, there's an underground. There is an occult underground. There's also a BDSM underground. And these, there was actually a case that was covered by Mark Ebner, who was a research, a great uh, journalist, one of the best journalists out there. He covers Hollywood. But about a guy by the name of Skip um, Crossan, who had found with a dead body in his dungeon, and he was part of like this leather community, a dead body mummified in his dungeon, and kept his job, and that was found. What? Yep, kept his job at one of these uh, Disney people or something like that. It's an incredible story. So, these unbelievable, kind of, oh, dude, it's unbelievable. So these things are are happening. The guy's name was uh, Skip Chasen. Look it up, Skip Chasen, mummified Skip body, Chasen. dungeon. So, and I do think that there's a strong current of this kind of torture dungeons involved in these cases as well. And I think you know that that it. it it goes to say that when you're saying that that there are occult or BDSM connections with this, we're, we're certainly not painting the broad brush that everybody interested or involved in the occult or everybody that's interested or involved in BDSM, they're not all involved interested in drugging and killing people. Not there even are cons- close. Not yeah. even close. Not even close. That's a that would be a gross exaggeration. It would be like saying that all heterosexuals are inter if their men are interested in doing torturing and raping women even though there's some serial killers out there and that's all that you know green river right. killer and all these people so so we're we're talking about very small subsets 
I have to ask because I, I've gotten this question. Uh, and folks in the chat room, I'm, I am taking patron questions first, as promised. Um, the, this question is based on the David Politis Missing 411 book series. Uh, just wanted to see if you have any comments about that, thoughts. Uh, does, is there a connection between any of these cases and the Dave Politis stuff? I think that he's covered these books and he's covered these cases in one of his books. Um, it was called Drowning and Coincidence. He covered a lot of the cases that were in um, the Drowning and Forensics book. Uh, drowning in forensic studies books that was by Gilbertson and Gannon, but his he wouldn't come to a conclusion, and I think that that's would be my main critique of his books is that the, he there's very vague positions like there's a phenomenon happening, but there's very vague kind of conclusions, and I think that he I think that there's a, a current of this kind of paranormal Bigfoot involvement. In, in his in his views, and I think that that's a mistake in looking at these cases. So, I think yeah. I've talked to a lot. Oh, is this a is this a four one one case? Oh, this looks like a four one one case. You know, people say that to me all the time. <laughs> I say this is a subset in a different grouping of disappeared. There's none of these people are involved in national parks. Um, they're usually in an urban area. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mix up what's known as the smiley face killing cases with anything that Polites, you know, professes to, to be about these disappearances in national parks. Yeah. I've noticed, uh, you know, just in my own sort of uh, process and putting videos out on the 411 stuff that if, if you, if you have any sort of skepticism regarding clusters and, and cases and stuff, the, the folks that follow that are very persistent. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and I've had, I've had actually a very brief communication with Polites over Facebook and he basically just ghosted me. I said, do you, do you think that I, I think my question was, do you think Bigfoot is involved in these cases? And I didn't even get a response. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, I did communicate. I tried to get into hold with Gilbertson when I was writing my documentary. So, I, you know, I didn't get a response from him. So um, I did reach out a lot of different investigators, some really great ones. Gary J out of Manchester is making a documentary right now on what's known as the pusher in Manchester, which I think those cases that there's a few cases involved in, the broader smiley face killing phenomenon. There was another girl uh, out of Boston. She wrote a blog called Cryptic Anti- Cryptid Antiquarian, and she had a successful blog, but then she wrote about the drownings in Boston, and her blog exploded, and her name was uh, Eloise. I can't remember her name now, but Cryptid Antiquarian, but she had like 2,000 comments. People were making these responses and connections, and... Uh, that's a really good blog if you if people are research people i also used a lot of web sleuths believe it or not web sleuths covers a lot of the you know drowning cases so you can type in a case that happens and people are watching these disappearances on web sleuths as well watching these disappearances and bodies found in water interesting um yeah and and i i just have to say like nobody has the market you know, on reporting and investigating missing cases and strange disappearances and, and sort of these cold case forensic files. One thing that, that really strikes me in reading your material and watching your interviews and everything is that you really do, as any investigator I think would, you really do state, okay, this is based on all the data that I've collected – this is my hypothesis. This is what I think is going on based on the data. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that any legit, honest researcher would be willing to do that. Well, I appreciate you know? that. And I try. I mean, it's my conclusion. I think that all the facts bear out the conclusion. Her name was yeah. Elise, Elise Soper, S-O-P-E-R, Cryptid Antiquarian. But, I mean, S-O-P-E-R. I think that um, I was willing to come up with a conclusion of what I believe is, is happening with these cases. And I think that the failure to come up with a conclusion is, is a, is a mistake. Yeah, because how are we going to solve the whole thing and and do justice to the victims, families and the victims, if we're not at least going in a certain direction, right? I totally agree. And I think that if you're talking about these cases are paranormal or Bigfoot, it's a disservice. It's a disservice to the people whose lives were lost, and it's a disservice to the families. I mean, there is a picture, a heartbreaking picture, of Dakota James' burial ground where he is dead in the ground, and his family's name, his parents' names are there without the date of their death. 
You know, so these are very serious cases. It's a serious subject, and people making light of it are not coming to, you know, pro- I think proper conclusions. I think for me, it's disgusting. Yep. It is. And, and you know, that's why I kind of led in with that disclaimer. It's like the, the reason we're doing this isn't to get a rise out of people or, or to get views or hits. The, the reason we're doing this is because we actually care about people. And, you know, there's this this whole idea of, well, if people know that this is a phenomenon that's happening on college campuses in different um, cities, big cities around the world, especially in certain communities, if you're involved in one of those communities, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be involved. It's just there are a very subset of people that are sociopaths or psychopaths yeah, and you know they want you know they don't have empathy for people they don't care you they know they don't care and you know i do believe that the killers are out there you know i think that they could be found i think that that's possible just like they found Stephen port in london people who are doing this could be found and i do believe i think you make a great point about empathy i do believe people should get out and warn that men you know, all these men are all handsome, good, athletic. You know, there's a certain component of these people that they're attractive to other people. So people should be warned that this phenomenon is happening. You know? Absolutely. Okay, I have to ask. You know who Jeff Buckley is? Of course, yeah. Yep, yep musician. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's any connection with jeff buckley and this whole thing you know he disappeared in a strange way on the wolf river he died on corpus christi day he went in with his combat boots and his clothes right after he found a recording studio is yeah, it that's you... another very strange death you know that whole story and what's going on around him why he wasn't found for six days um yeah. and he you know he's at the top of the world he's moving up he had a very successful album um, so the story around his death is very, for me, suspicious. Yep. Yeah, me too. And a lot of, a lot of the listeners I want to thank Jay for that one. Um, okay. So we're done with the patron questions. We have a few minutes left, so I want to start taking live chat questions. Um, Lee Veltman wants to know what, what do you think about all these abusive cults like NXIVM getting busted? Well, I think it's a good start. I, I, I did an interview actually with a guy who's very close to, Nexium guy by the name of Frank Parlato. So I read the Frank report in detail, and I think it shows that a lot of these cults are atta- are are associated with heavy duty politicians that they're they're integrated into our current system of pe- wealthy people, politicians, and uh, so I think that the wrap up of Parlato, the inter, I mean the wrap up of Nexium is important. The interesting thing is that those two and the media will not cover this that Ranieri and Mac were processing i mean the the indictment is for trafficking children under 14 <laughs> again their indictment is not for fraud or anything it's for trafficking children under 14 vitally important that yeah it is vitally important i mean there's just a small bit of difference there folks you know yeah, i actually have to give credit to the prosecutor's office in new york because Nothing has been leaked. Nothing has been disclosed. They don't know the names of the victims or the potential victims. So I got to give credit to the New York prosecutors on that case. Um, but yeah, I mean, and you know, the Schneiderman who got punted recently, he was a prosecutor in New York. Um, he he refused to prosecute Nexium at the state level. And his excuse is because it was a federal issue now. So that was pretty fascinating. I think that's that's something else. Yes, yeah, something's up with that. Yeah, have you, any psych have any psychics been involved in these investigations? Um, not to my knowledge. Not for the smiley face killing investigation. I, okay. I'm trying to think. I think there was one psychic involved in a disappearance found in water. A guy by the name of Jimmy Slack. Uh, that was the only. There's actually a video of two psychics who were trying to find out where he disappeared. That was a Pittsburgh case. Pittsburgh. Um, so Jimmy Slack, who I covered in the documentary. So that's the only psychic. Um, one of the interesting things, a psychic event that I cover, actually cover three times in the documentary is the disappearance of Garcia, where they're interviewing his mom, and his mom is saying, I feel in my heart my son is still alive. I feel in my heart is my son oh, is still alive. Oh, I remember alive. that one. And yeah, she and she had conviction, too. Oh, man. She's holding her heart, got her hand over her heart, and she's probably right. You got she's it. Right. Okay, let's. we got some more questions here. I know we've probably got about five minutes left. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you, uh, do you think there's any copycat killings yes, happening? Yes, absolutely. Okay. There was a case out of uh, Sacramento. I think that since people are talking about these cases more, there are copycats. I don't believe there's one. People ask me this question, is there one serial killer? No. 
There's definitely, in my opinion, there's definitely not. There's groups and individuals who know how to use this MO. So I believe that it's just really, it's a really dangerous situation right now. And I think that it's also because of the authorities not recognizing these cases, cases as uh, murders. So um, I do believe that there's, yeah, I, th- I think there's multiple things going on. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of circles within circles too, because, you know, in, in uh, I guess you could say in, in cult based groups, you know, where they're, they're, they believe in this kind of black magic stuff yes. and, and occult things, uh, not the good side, but more so like we don't really care about committing illegal acts. We just, you know, we don't really care. Actually, illegal acts and committing evil acts is part of their religion. You know, one of the people I covered in my documentary mm. was a member of the Illuminates of Thanateros. Thanateros is sex and death, right? So, ah. you know, I do believe that these guys, you know, there are occult groups out there, very dark issues and to get solidified in one of those occult groups, a lot of times you got to do evil things, and that's what bonds them together. If you look at the one of the one of the inter, this is a fascinating case from the Gilbertson and Gannon files, but it was Tommy Booth, who they're recording. Tommy Booth is saying these guys are up to no good. They're creepy. I want to get away from them. I don't want to be around them. And he's found in water, and there's a smiley face killing in a hyper sigil uh, made in a. Um, uh, spray paint, a spray canned gun, and the night that he disappeared, a guy's on stage playing guitar with a smiley face symbol. So, yeah, there, wow. there's a lot going on in these cases. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Second to last question, um, David Deere wanted to ask you about spirit cooking. Um, inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a cool thing. Abramovich is a witch, and those guys were involved in all – and that's just the stuff that surfaced through the through the Podesta emails. I mean, it's, you know – and then you talk about pedophilia. The, one of those uh, emails was that I have a map that's interested in this handkerchief or whatever, and a map is a minor attractive person. So what are these mm. guys up to, you know? They're using code oh, words, that was tons that of code for. words. Yeah, that's what minor attractive person – so they're using code words that people in, a, and like you said earlier, like a subset of a subset, no. They know these code terms. So spirit cooking was, I mean, people dodged a bullet. You can say whatever you want about Trump, but um, the people surrounding Hillary Clinton were evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not saying yeah, anything I don't about think, her. I, don't I mean, I mean evil. I mean E-V-I-L. I mean evil. Like they don't yes. care. Humanity doesn't matter. I do what I want. Cruelly type stuff. Yep. Yep, and and there's really weird uh, with the with the one of the Podestas. There's some photographs of of him, and behind him are pictures on the wall with kids on altars, or it's just bizarre. There's it's, it's there's pictures of that one artist where the kids are in, clearly in some kind of abducted area, uh, hanging from chains, you know, and they look like they're terrified. So that's your art. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's like okay, well, do you want Rembrandt or do you you know? Right. No, do you want pictures you know, of children being humiliated? Yeah. Who would do that? Sickness. That's sick. Well, Last... that's interesting you bring that up because yeah. they just brought something up about these cases having to do with Comey and Stroke and all these people that were in the FBI that Comey was informed something about child abuse in Hillary Clinton, that it's in writing, that Comey – and one of the things that he discussed was something to do with children. And yeah, it's crazy. And they ignored that. So the FBI, Comey getting fired. So great. That's, I mean, it's great for the country to get those guys out of there. Oh yeah. The, the follow-up I guess on that is there's a rumor that there's some kind of a video on the Anthony Weiner laptop in New York city that shows, uh, Hillary, uh, rotten Clinton and, and somebody else actually engaging in some kind of have you heard anything about i've heard that? a rumor there's a lot of rumors i don't i don't i don't base my analyses of anything on rumors but good you know, i've heard the same thing that people saw what was on wiener's laptop and cried you know so yeah well and just to be clear folks if you find a link that where somebody's saying that that's what's on there do not click on it <laughs> it you know it's illegal okay i know we're out of time what is next for you william just the same old stuff, you know, I'm just kind of working on things and uh, taking a little bit of break over the last few months, but, uh, you know, who, who knows what's up on the horizon, you know, you never know. Cool. 
All right. Tell folks how to get in touch with you. And folks, please do, please do subscribe to William's YouTube channel. Go ahead and tell folks how to get in touch. Uh, my YouTube channel where I do a lot of interviews about smiley face killers if people want to learn more. And I've done a lot of the case studies are William Ramsey Investigates on YouTube. I'm on Twitter at William Ramsey 0 I think. I changed my name there. I'm also on Facebook. My website is WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com if you want a signed copy of my books. And like you said earlier, the documentary is available for rent or purchase on Vimeo. You can just type in Smiley Face or William Ramsey and it'll pop up. And there's actually a large, um, a guy by the name of Brett Easton Ellis is involved in a production of a film called Smiley Face Killers right now. And it should be interesting. That's the same writer for Less Than Zero and American Psycho. So oh, wow. it'll be interesting to see what's on the horizon with that. Awesome. Do you have any other secret projects coming up? Oh, you know, I don't talk, I don't talk about that. I just drop yeah, them. Yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just drop right. them when they're done. Yeah, I hear you. I, believe me, I feel you as a, as a yeah. creator myself. Yeah, so, yeah. William, thank you so much for coming up on the channel tonight. I really appreciate your time, especially on a Friday night. And uh, let's, just, let's keep our eyes on this thing. Yeah, no, it's happening. I, be, I recommend people follow Jim Smith, Smiley Face Colt on Twitter. He's covering the cases. It's still happening. All right. All right, William. Well, thank you again so much. I very much appreciate it. All right. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye.